0: This is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We had a great dedication Sunday last week, and uh, man, it was awesome. Thank you guys so much. Um... We're doing a series uh, this whole month entitled Dedicated, and uh, we are all dedicated to something. We're all committed to something. I can tell you who who you are by two ways, what you give your time to and where you give your money to. And some of you, it's the same place, the golf course, (laughs) the boat, the lake, whatever it might be. You're committed to something. You know, springtime's coming. I got to get on my soapbox and keep you all from going to the filthy lakes of Oklahoma. (laughs) They're all dirty, full of miserable stuff. Don't get in them. I'm telling you, they're dangerous. And all golf courses will do will challenge your faith, Because none of you are going to make any living at it. You know what I'm saying? You're just out there hacking away, throwing your clubs, and still shooting 90s. (laughs) And some of you all have no idea if that's good or bad. I thought 90 was good. Not in golf. It's the one sport that you have to go lower to win. It's not those who score the most points. It's those who score the least. some of you going, "That's the lesson today. You're not going to get anything out of it. I did not know that. Well, we are today going to talk about what Mosaic Church is dedicated to, and the next week, I'm going, to, I'm going to spend about three weeks talking about what we can dedicate our lives to. And you know, I think it's important for people to know what uh, church is all about. Uh, there are those of us who did not attend church for a long period of time. Maybe you were young. Maybe you're just now starting to attend church. And there was a reason that you didn't. I don't know how many of you ever... I used to be scared to death to go in church doors. I don't know how many of you... You know what I'm saying? I thought they'd point me out and prophesy something over me in front of everybody. And it's how come we don't have first-time guests raise their hands. Because, for one, some of you didn't use antiperspirant. And the other, you're just scared to death. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, but we don't do that because we don't want to point you out and embarrass you. We're glad that you're here, and uh, we are dedicated to creating a culture, a culture. And today's subtitle is creating a triple A culture uh, that that causes people or or enables people to feel in, enables you to feel comfortable in in this place of worship. And I'll tell you why in a moment. A uh, church is often one of the most uncomfortable places that a person that's never been before could attend. Um, I used to hate it when I went into a church. My parents used to make me go until I was about 14, and I quit. And I always hated it when I'd walk in, they'd shake my hand and say, hey, Brother Mark. <laughs> it's just weird to me, you know. I never went to a bar that called me Brother Mark. <laughs> they called me bro, you know, or something like that. But it was just strange to me that the church terminology and the language of the church is just a little bizarre to people outside the church. How many of you know that? Hallelujah doesn't mean anything to them. Amen. They have no clue. We have we have this Christian language, you know, that is is bizarre to the world. And so, uh, when I say the world, I don't mean us against the world. I'm just saying just in general humanity, and the language is different nowadays. Uh, how many of you know that you your kids are teaching you a new language and uh, mine did as well, but I want us to to be able today to overcome some of the things that um, we have to overcome in order for people to be comfortable coming and being a part of the church. Um, I've I've used this example uh, many many times that there was a day that uh, the church said, you know, you can come to our church if you believe what we believe. Well, we never explained what we believed. We just said believe what we believe, and we expected everybody to believe what we do exactly the way we do. And then the next expectation that we offered those who came in was behave the way we behave, which really what we were saying is we're comfortable with what we believe, and we're comfortable with how we behave, dress and all those things. If you can do those things, you can belong. Well, you know what? Uh, Many people are never going to be just like uh, the church. You know, I'm not one of those that likes that type of conformity to a pattern. Uh, I want to be loved by God, and I want to be loved by others. And those are critical things to me. I don't care how you dress. I don't care how you look. uh, I I really don't. What I care about is I want to be in an environment of love. We'll talk about that in a moment. So now what we have to understand, we live in a culture that first says, we must let people belong. If people don't belong, they'll never know why we believe what we believe. And they'll certainly never behave the way we behave. And I'm not sure that's always good. If you get me behind the wheel of a car in stupid traffic, I don't really want people to behave like me. I'd really like for you to be Christian. Uh, In your behavior and and you know, so there are things that we we demonstrate what I really want us to learn to do is just love people Accept people we'll talk about that, you know And it's really hard when there are church bulletins and signs that read like this low self-esteem group will meet Thursday at 7 p.m Please come through the back door (laughs) Don't want you coming through the front Another sign read, Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large double doors at the side entrance. <laughs> this morning's sermon will be, Jesus walks on water. The evening sermon will read, Searching for Jesus. So, um, anyway. Turn... <laughs> Turn your Bibles or your iPads, your iPhone, your Samsung Galaxy. Just don't let it catch on fire. Um, 2 Samuel twenty-two twenty-one 21 through 25. Pastor Sam read this last week. It's on our website. And um, this is kind of what I want, not kind of, this is absolutely what I want people to embrace A mosaic is just a bunch of jagged, broken pieces of glass and stone assembled together to make a beautiful portrait. That's what we're about. And out of the Message Bible, it reads, God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I cleaned up my act, he gave me a fresh start. Indeed, I have kept alert to God's ways. I haven't taken God for granted. Every day, I review the way he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. I love this out of the Message Bible because really it's what we are. We're, we're broken at birth. Uh, we're, we're sinful at birth. We're messed up at birth. We take on the issues that our families already have been living out for generations If we don't learn from their mistakes, we will become one of their mistakes And so when I say that we're all making mistakes, we're all having issues And at Mosaic Church, and even when I pastored Victory, it was always the same You guys know me. It's, uh, you know, we just love people And we're going to do a lot of things wrong. We're not good at everything. But there's one thing I want us to be very, very dedicated to and good at, and that is loving people. Because love never, ever, ever fails, according to the Bible. Your wisdom, your intellect, your opinions, your ideas and ideals will fail often, especially if you're in a group of diverse people uh, who make up uh, a lot of different ideas and ideals. They're just different. And so how can we embrace everyone? And that's what I want to talk about today is being dedicated to that. The very first thing, the AAA culture is, we are dedicated to A, authenticity. To being real. How many of you know you can tell when someone puts on a smile and you can tell them when someone's really smiling? I mean, most of us don't have poker faces. We just don't. Man, if you're mad, you're mad. You know, if you're married and your wife says, are you mad? No, I'm not mad. Really, so your words don't match the expression and the tone. Authenticity is a match. It means that when you're feeling bad, it's okay to feel bad. Uh, I grew up, when I finally got born again, uh, in a very wonderful Christian culture. However, we were not afforded the opportunity of not feeling well. If you were sick, you never said you were sick. You know, you didn't, and this is true, I'm not making this up. You never called in sick, Uh, you never did. You you called in healed. I'm not coming to work today because I'm being healed. I thought, no, I'm sick. And they said, no, 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 those are just symptoms. Okay, the symptoms are killing me. You know, I mean, we just had this language that made no sense to me. We couldn't be authentic. If you were sad you didn't say you were sad you, you, you put on And listen I'm all about being positive But there are days you just kind of go You know I need prayer today Not happy today Hello In other words when people come in I want us to have a culture and, and an environment of positive And positivity I want us to all have all that But you know what there are people that come in hurting Every Sunday to this church And you know what you put on a smile And I'm really really glad you're here Uh, you know, and and we really are not looking for an organ recital of any type where you tell us all the sickness and ailments But if you're not good, you're not good. You know what i'm saying there are times in your life that you're just not good and so we want there to be a an, an environment of authenticity and that we When we know who people are and we know how they feel that we we embrace them anyway so in uh Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, out of the Message Bible, it says, summing it all up, friends, Paul's telling the church at Philippi, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds, in other words, what are you thinking as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So fill your mind with these thoughts, not only fill it, but take time to meditate. In other words, let it germinate, let it get down in you, not just have a thought but meditate on that thought. Paul said you got to really give time and attention to it. When we started this seven minutes, seven days, the idea was what are you thinking about? Meditate on things that, that would be productive in your life to overshadow and overcome the pain and the reality sometimes of life itself. It says meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful nor ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, Paul said. Now, the thing about it is Paul was very authentic in his writings. Christ was very authentic in who he was. Uh, Think about this. The Son of God, who could literally, I mean, he raised the dead He walked on water. He healed the lepers. He did all these things. And yet, these are through his three years of ministry from 30 to 33 prior to the crucifixion. And he's done all of these things. And yet, he comes to this moment in time when he's in the garden. And he's he's literally sweating what's about to happen to him. And then in that moment, he begins to cry out to God. We're talking the Son of God crying out to the Father if it be possible, you could the agony with which he's praying, he's sweating as though they were great drops of blood. The agony of his prayer was authentic. Take this cup from me, yet not my will, your will be done. This is the Son of God who in that moment was beginning to feel the pain that was about to come upon him. Authentic. Christ was authentic. I want us to have a culture of authenticity. I want us to be able to be who we are, and I want that for you. And in this culture, that means this. We realize that all people have sinned. There's not one of you in here that has not sinned. I want to help you with that. Your mother would tell, my mother always told me how great I was, and then I woke up one day, I'm not near as great as I, she said I was. Your mother lied to you. You're not all that in a bag of chips. Authentically, we are all born a mess. We just are. And so the hard thing is, when somebody does something that we were told was so bad, it's very difficult to love them because we, we see it as offensive. We see it as very offensive. And we're easily offended, but in Psalm 119, 165, it says, Great peace have those who love the law of the Lord. Nothing shall offend them. When people say, I'm so offended by this, or I'm offended by that behavior, your offense will be a repellent against being able to love people. When you're offended, people sense it, and it builds a wall between you and them. So if we can operate in authenticity and realize that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we just have to realize that. Because everybody around us has been very successful at sinning. And so we just have to love everybody anyway. So when they come to Mosaic Church, we're not looking at what they're wearing, how they look. When I first went to church, and I, well, I'm not going to tell you the year. When I first went to church, because some of you weren't even born yet. There was a sign when we entered what was called, this is another church word, foyer or foyer. We don't have a foyer or foyer. We have a labe. And in that day, when you walked into that little bitty lobby, it said, no women in the sanctuary with pants. If I would have been a woman and as much of a hellion as I was, I would have fixed that in a really bad way. And all of you with just a little bit of an edge get that. I would have made them pay for putting that sign up. Because what what we're saying is, we're not dedicated to all people. Now, obviously, that has long since gone away. But in the early days of church, we weren't dedicated to loving people authentically. We expected people to adjust to us. And the reality is, the church has to adapt itself to love all people. Because all people have sinned. Secondly, we recognize that love covers a multitude of sin. You want to know how to address sin? Love the sinner. You really, if you want to know, my, my oldest daughter, who is now, wow, 29 I know, huh? I can't believe I was only 16 years old. Uh, And so um, we are very, very close to this day, and she went through a real rough period of time in her life. And when I say rough, I mean really rough. And all God instructed me to do wasn't to tell her what she was doing wrong, but to love her. Guess what? Mother of two children loves God and loves me today. And and I just tell you, there wasn't anything that I did except love her. There were days I wanted to kill her because I thought this would just be easier. You know, let's just get this over with because she is so stupid right now. How many of you know when you call somebody stupid, it doesn't open a lot of doors for you to speak into their life? It really doesn't. But, but when you can love someone, and you, you know, I used to go visit her. And uh, we were living here, she was in, in Tulsa, and I would drive to see her. And when I would go see her, I was in great pain because I could see her pain. And how many of you know when you see somebody in pain, the first thing you want to do is fix it? And, and, and you know what? The only one that really fixes it is God, and God is love. And so in this culture, I want you to know there are going to be people who annoy you, who talk loud, who, who say things that you would never say. And, and you know what? We're just going to love people. That's what Mosaic is dedicated to Is loving people And that's what we're always going to be dedicated to And Now you know every now and then as a pastor I get drawn into the middle of uh, uh, Arguments and debates And people wanting me to take their side And their position I'm just going to take everybody's side You say it's not possible, sure it is You know what, When, when Jesus came to earth He loved people, he loved the sinner He loved the saint He loved everybody And that's what we have to be dedicated to You say well now when you do that you're actually in endorsing. No, there's different in endorsement and supporting. I, I don't endorse sin, mine or yours. But I support the sinner. I love the sinner. I'm not endorsing that behavior. I didn't endorse my daughter's behavior. But you know, I loved her because Jesus died for her. And he called me to love her. And so we are called to love people in their darkest hour, in their craziest time, in their worst sinful moment. And you know... uh I can say that authentically, you know, the elections really, uh, they're getting worse every year. There was a time when uh, we'd, we'd see protests on television from other continents and other countries, and now, welcome to America. And, you know, I've, I've watched people criticize from both sides, and it's really tragic. What if you just loved people? You're not, when you love somebody, it doesn't mean you're endorsing them, it just means you're loving them. And so you can authentically do that. I mean, I don't know who you voted for. I know we have people in this church that voted uh, on both sides of the, the aisle. You say, well, how, how, did you, how did you handle that? I love everybody. Because ultimately, I'm going to go to heaven someday, and they are not going to be Republicans and Democrats. And Independents and Green Party and all the other parties out there. There's not going to be there. So I have to live today like I'm living for eternity. And so, you know, why get mad at somebody who doesn't agree with you? Because in this room today, we have all kinds of people who don't agree with you or agree with me. But we can love each other anyway. And this is the part of being authentic. Love never fails. Number three, we recognize that grace is the cornerstone of Mosaic Church. We're saved by faith through grace. That's it. You're not going to heaven because you're good. Not one person in here is. And so what we have to do is operate and create a culture of grace. There are people in here right now on drugs. (laughs) They're seated next to you. There was a day that people would never have come to church. And I, when I first started, I I told some of you back at Noah's that uh, one young lady came up to me and said, you know, I want to know if I can volunteer in church. I smoke weed. I thought, well, the person next to you eats fried chicken. Which one's worse? Anyway, so anyway. See, I'm just saying. See, that messed you mind. Some of you are like, oh, my God, what's he saying? I'm saying one is going to mellow you out. The other one's going to be high cholesterol. I mean, I'm just sure of it. Don't know, but I'm guessing. Okay, yeah, I do know. Because I used to do my share. When we had grass fires, we just all went and stood out in the middle of it. Anyway, so. Okay, yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? Anyway, so you said, well, what did I say? I'm not going to tell you. You want me to tell you, but I'm not going to tell you. But I just thought, isn't it cool that somebody could ask the pastor that question? And some of you would be offended that they would ask, but I wasn't offended at all. And you're never going to know the answer to that question. (laughs) We recognize that mercy triumphs over judgment. That's what we recognize. That his mercies are new every morning, and so should ours be. Be merciful to people. Don't be judgmental toward people. The reality is, to the measure you judge, you too shall be judged. That always helps me, because I I still have that edge a little bit, too, because of my personality type. But I realize if I judge others, I too will be judged into that same measure that I'm judging them. And... We just are not called to do that. And I would say this to all of you. If that, you know, there are certain churches you can go to that you know the behavior. You know the structure. This is how it's going to be. If you can't comply with that, you're not welcome there. But I want you to know you're welcome here. And uh, summertime's about to hit. I love the fact that you can wear shorts to church. Forget the pants thing. you (laughs) You can wear shorts here. You can wear dry fit. You can come in flip flops. You can come barefoot if you want. I don't care. Come with something on. Okay, now, there you go. We are dedicated to acceptance. The second A in creating a AAA culture. We are dedicated dedicated to acceptance. Romans 15, 7 says, uh, Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Acceptance is very, very important to people coming into a relationship with Christ. When you see Christ with the woman at the well, he didn't reject her. He didn't judge her. He loved her and spent time communicating with her, knowing that the guy she was now with and been married four times, the man she was now with was not her husband, and Christ himself never judged her he loved her she became the first female evangelist ever and she went to town and turned the town right side up why because Christ loved her and it's so very important because we have a tendency in our lives to feel rejected it's it's a part of the fallen nature our DNA is is to feel rejection not accepted the opposite of It's like the the mother whose son came to her up in the north, and and he said, Mom, I want to go ice skating on the pond. She said, wait till it warms up. Um, How many of you know it's not a good response? (laughs) You played hide and seek, and nobody ever came looking for you, and you were hiding the next day. That's rejection. And so we want to make people feel accepted. So why do we have what we call greeters at the front door? We want people to feel loved. As a matter of fact, let me just take a moment and solicit some of you to become people who help us accept people when they're coming in. Why do we have people in the parking lot? We don't have enough. Some of you don't even know we have them because you didn't see them. And we need people in the parking lot. Why? We want people to feel accepted before they ever get in here. Because coming to church is as scary as a nun going to a nightclub. (laughs) It really is. I mean, church is a scary place to people who have never been to church. It's just scary. They don't know. They think they might be snakes in here or something. They don't know. They've heard all kinds of stories about church people. Believe it or not, we do have a reputation, and it's not always good. That we're mean, we're judgmental, we dress a certain way, we, we don't accept certain language, and yet we have our own. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, you know those are those are us. They'd have no. Some of y'all don't even know what Hallelujah means. You just say Hallelujah. That's what we've been saying. Amen. I don't know what it means, but that must mean something because that's what the preacher said. Amen means so be it. Hey, there you go. I mean, come on, that'll help you now. So if uh, your wife says I'm gonna spank, I'm gonna spank our son. Amen. (laughs) So be it. Get her done. Hallelujah was in Hebrew, Hillel, which meant to praise Yah, which was short for Yahweh, to praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. So now, next time you say Hallelujah, you'll be able to explain it to your coworker, and they'll go, "That's cool," because some of the language out in the world I don't know anymore. It's it's new. How many of you know? They're creating new stuff out there. I have to call my kids and ask them what that means. <laughs> it's just like I do to have them tell me how to do something on iPad. We accept all people without rejecting God's standard. Because this is the great fear of religious people is you have no standards anymore. Yeah, we have standards. We're not adjusting the standards. We're adjusting our love to people who have different standards. It's simply what we're doing. We're not reducing our standard. I believe what I believe. But it doesn't keep me from accepting people who don't believe what I believe. How many of you know that in the Protestant denomination, just the Protestants alone, that we have all these different uh, belief systems we have pre trib post-trib pre-millennial amillennial post-millennial we have baby sprinkle uh baptism we call it you know baptism and people say will you will you baptize my baby i said well we'll dedicate your baby well you know I, and you, there's a great debate do you sprinkle do we dip what do we do you know i mean and, and then the great debate became we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then there's the we baptize in Jesus' name. There are scriptures that support both. So what I do is I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, sprinkle, sprinkle. Um, <laughs> I just want to cover all the bases and make sure you know I really don't care. I want you to grow up and put your faith in Jesus. And if you'll do that, the Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. But then after that, you got you got to quit dipping. (laughs) You got to put away the curse light, the Stella, and you got to do what we do the way we do it. Some of you think Stella is your cousin, anyway. So (laughs) it's a tough crowd today. (laughs) Acceptance of others opens the door to growth and change for both of us. Come unto me, Jesus said, all who are weary. And burdened down, and I'll give you rest. Problem is that we're supposed to be representing Christ. We're supposed to be representing his attributes, his personality. We're supposed to be representing his love. And yet we draw the lines that Christ never drew. And when Christ did draw a line in the sand, guess who he drew it against? The religious people. The Pharisees. He sits down writes in the sand. And it wasn't the woman caught in the act of adultery that walked off. It was the religious people. Because he wrote in the sand, supposedly, they say, he was writing down their sins. And they're reading them. And when they saw those, they walked away. We represent that kind of love, that kind of acceptance. Christ was not endorsing her behavior. He was loving her person. And when you love the person, the behavior often changes. And guess what? If it doesn't, it's still not your responsibility. It's the Spirit of God's responsibility. Our responsibility is to love. And if love never fails, I'm telling you, it opens doors to vulnerability and intimacy that otherwise would not be open. The only reason I'm standing up here today is there were two guys that when I was in my darkest hour in high school and out of high school... Who were kind to me. And I knew they were Christians. And I really didn't like them. But I liked the fact that they liked me. Isn't that bizarre? I didn't like them. But they liked me. That's usually how this works. And so they just kept liking me. And I, every time I'd get around them. I'd cuss a little bit more. I just wanted to see what what would do to them. Because you say that in front of religious people. And they curl up. You know. Like, me. like, You know. You're dropping all kinds of bombs. Throwing bombs at them. I just wanted to test them. You know, some people will come in and drop a couple bombs on you to see if you still love them. You shouldn't get offended by that. Don't be offended. Don't be offended. If you're offended at people, you'll never reach people. But that's just offensive to me. Well, what you do may be offensive to them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory be to Jesus. You see what i'm saying we're we are we are all over the place, we're all over the map, and we're just called to simply accept people where they are in life and that's hard to do sometimes i mean i as we've gone through this political season and and really it's 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 so disheartening, and then you know the the, the all of this stuff going on um where it appears as though. Uh, we're so divided and the reality is the church needs to bring a peace to all of it um, You know, not every Christian is Representative of what you and I would like to call Christianity uh, When Oral Roberts passed away and I went to the funeral uh, There was this group of Baptists And, and love the Baptists It's not you I'm talking about, it's the other Baptists Anyway, so <laughs> But they were standing on the corner with signs of hate and they call themselves Christians about Oral's funeral. Some of you know, you've heard of them. They, they, they go to these places and they're just, you know, it's just really cruel. And I, I just, you know, really would like to go up and love them with a fist. Jesus loves you. <laughs> I don't. Anyway, so, but it's just cruel. See, and that's wrong too. I'm just saying that that's what we feel. And, and so when we see that kind of behavior, it's a reflection on us too. Well, you know what? The the reality is uh, that that we're called to love people who are different than us. And when you do that, it opens the door to all kinds of conversation that may open hearts and minds to faith in Christ. It just does. And that's what we're called to. It's so hard because people think you endorse somebody because you love somebody. Christ didn't endorse you know, Zacchaeus' behavior. He didn't endorse the behavior of the woman caught in the act of adultery. adult. He wasn't endorsing it. But what he was saying is, I'm giving my life for you. I'm laying my life down for you. And I love you. And you know, it's just it's disheartening to me when we don't love everyone. And, and I know that you say, but there are mean people out there. Yes, and there always will be and there always has been. But love is the only thing that never fails. And you know, it's, it's, um, it's just very hard when you think about what some people are going through in the name of what they believe. And who knows what would happen if we as a church would, would dedicate ourselves to loving them and accepting them for where they are. And that's what I would ask us, of us, and that's what I'm dedicated to. Uh, acceptance of others uh, doesn't mean endorsement, but simply love. And then lastly, we are dedicated to affirming. And that's the third A in the AAA culture is we are authentic in our love. We really do believe in people. We're accepting of people. And we're affirming. Which means we communicate what we believe. Second um, Corinthians chapter 3 out of the Message Bible says, If the government of condemnation was impressive, how about this government of affirmation? Bright as that old government was, referring to the law, it would look downright dull alongside this new one, referring to the Spirit. If that makeshift arrangement impressed us, how much more this brightly shining government installed for eternity. A firm doesn't mean you have to give a trophy. The real problem in our world today is we're giving ninth place trophies. Uh, instead of just affirming the losers for the effort. They lost. You know, we got first, second, and maybe third place trophies when I was a kid. If you're a baby boomer, if you finished eighth, you got a popsicle. I mean, they affirmed that you showed up. There's nothing wrong with that. You showed up, but you can do better next year. They affirmed us. Uh, when I started Victory Church in 1994, and we moved into this building in August, this little building, in, uh, this little bitty building, and this a place where I got my haircut, a guy was telling me about this family from Tulsa whose daughter lived here, and she was young, and and, uh, they wanted her to come to church. So anyway, she finally came at her parents, pushing her. And every Sunday, this girl, she was out all night partying. She had to have been. And uh, (laughs) it smelled like it, too. Anyway, and this was a small church. It was a real test for me and us as a church and she would come to the second row, not the last row, the second row. And she would sleep throughout my whole sermon. It wasn't very encouraging to me. And she would, she would sit on the second row and she would sleep. And everybody in church could see her sleeping. And I just preached. That lady today, happily married, born again, loves God, goes to church. I never judged her. Just never, I just affirmed her. You know what I affirmed? Hey, thanks for showing up. <laughs> thanks for not snoring. <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying simply find something to affirm. If, if you have a teenager and you don't like the way their, their hair is combed because it's not combed at all, they just got up, put clothes on, say, I love what you've not done with your hair today. There's something you can affirm. You know what I'm saying? You can affirm something in everybody. And in this case, it was simply affirming her for showing up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday instead of putting expectations on her that Sunday after Sunday were going unmet if I would have put those on her. Some of you are expecting your spouse to change. Why don't you just affirm something in them? With where they are right now. Just find something polite to say to them. Mark Twain said, keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But the really great people make you feel that you can become great too. Make people feel like they can become great. Speak to something that's dormant inside of them. Speak to something that you believe about them. Find something to believe in. In them that is absolutely incredible. A firm presence. Sometimes it's all people can do to show up. There is a great person who makes every person feel small. But their real great person is the person who makes a person feel great. A firm service and obedience. The best way to cheer yourself on is to try to cheer somebody else up. If you want to cheer yourself on, cheer somebody else up. It will make all the difference in the world. And you don't have to do it in a weird way. You can say thank you. You can say a number of things that cause people to feel good. Now, let me close with this. And these are on our website. And these are so absolutely, if you haven't been on our website, get on it, read it. It's got a lot of stuff on there. It says, we assert the following. And this is what we assert at Mosaic Church. In essential beliefs, we have unity. In non-essential beliefs, we have liberty. In all our beliefs, we exhibit Love and charity are one and the same. We exhibit charity. Now, what are essential beliefs? Let me tell you what essential beliefs are. And let's not fight about non-essentials. And I don't even fight about essential beliefs. I just live them. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that. Whether you do or not, I'm not going to be mad at you. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe Jesus came to die for the sins of mankind. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I believe that's an essential belief. I believe that he rose from the dead, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and he's coming again. Those to me are essential beliefs. If you want to talk about whether somebody gets dunked in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not I don't care. Really don't. I mean, we're just going to show unity, and in this church we believe that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Now, you know what? I'm going to love everybody anyway except everybody, but that is an essential belief that we will stand on that. You hear what I'm saying? Now, if everybody doesn't believe that, you're still welcome here. You're still accepted here, and I'll affirm you showing up and listening to me. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm glad you're here. And you know what? You've actually been polite. I know every week we have people watching from Egypt. I have no idea why. It comes up in our Google Analytics, people from Egypt and other countries watching us online. I don't know if they're watching movements and thinking he's really strange, his hand motions. (laughs) Non-essential beliefs, we have liberty, which means that we may not agree on whether someone can be healed today or not. You know, there are people who don't believe in miracles today. Why should that divide us? There are people who don't believe in prophecy today. Why should that divide us? Because I'm not going to go to heaven because I believe in prophecy. I'm going to go to heaven because I believe in Christ. So it's a non essential belief, if you will. Now, it may affect your quality of life here on earth, it may affect your quality of life from day to day. And I didn't believe in miracles when I first got saved, I didn't believe in healing. And then I got sick. How I many, you know, get sick? I believe in miracles. And if you're smart, you will. You see what I'm saying? It's a non-essential. You don't have to believe in miracles. You don't have to believe in joy. You don't have to believe in peace. They're non-essentials. Now, they'll make your life better on earth, but they're not of eternal uh, they're, they're a consequence. You know, the Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord. So the non-essentials, we have liberty we have liberty. I used to go to a church that was, I mean, it was really scary when, you know, I mean, they you ever heard of a Jericho march? Any of you old enough? Dude, it was scary. People start running around the church. I mean, and you got in the way, you get run over. And they called it the Jericho march because when Israel was going around Jericho and the walls fell, I guess they thought if we did that, I thought our building was going to collapse. So <laughs> Why are we doing the Jericho march? We don't want this to fall on us. It was just weird. And then better not go there in all beliefs we exhibit charity in other words in everything we believe love is the foundation love is the foundation so if somebody voted differently than you someone believes in miracles and you don't someone believes in healing you don't someone believes in tongues interpretation you don't someone believes in prophecy you don't love anyway you see what i'm saying We're not against the Baptists. Baptists are not against us. Church of God, we're not against Church of God. We're not not against those. Some of my very best friends, pastor churches of different denominations who don't believe in some of the things I believe. And I don't believe in some of the things they believe, but it doesn't divide us. And that's how come we can come together and lift our hands and praise God and get happy about what we believe. And you know what? If, If you sit down, that's fine. If you don't lift your hands, that's fine. If you don't move your feet, It's fine. But there are people around you, will people, who won't. Just get happy. Matter of fact, if you're not a dancer and somebody is and you know they can't dance, sit down and watch them. (laughs) Who cares? It's a non-essential. In all things, we have charity. Let's pray.